Playing with all of our imaginary friends, it's Major Please, a heinous trip at Warp 5. My name is Joseph. I'm your holographic ghost, Peter. Peter, do you know what someone can do to not be damned to an existence as a holographic ghost? I uh, have a chief engineer who stays at his post. Incorrect. It's actually <laughs> rating this podcast on Spotify. Oh, that ties into the afterlife? Yeah, that's how you avoid becoming a ghost hmm. uh, and instead going to your ultimate reward. It didn't, to make sure you do not haunt the realms of the living as a holographic entity or otherwise, please go to Spotify, find Vija, please. Follow us if you're not following us already. And then please click us a quick review. Five stars if you don't mind if we are a five-star podcast to you. If not, you know what? Right is lower. I understand. Maybe we deserve it. Maybe you deserve it. Maybe <laughs> you need to think about what you've done and then give us five stars anyway. But we do appreciate it. It does help a lot to make the show more visible and to boost it in algorithms. And What if like times and technology have actually changed the afterlife and instead of being a ghost because that could be kind of cool, you know, getting to live somewhere rent free. That's that's too much of a good deal. Like the the new cyber version of ghost is you get stuck on an Xbox Live and have to hear twelve year olds call each other the N word all day. <laughs> Isn't that just hell? <laughs> Didn't you just describe hell? That's that's too old school though. That's too old school. We're, we're talking new. If if Spotify a five star Spotify rating is the way out of it, then I think. I think that's the right way to, to punish. Yeah, and yeah. speaking of punishments. Oh, yeah. We've got a well, you and I have a discussion to have here, sir. Because mm -hmm. when when we put out our episode on a rogue planet, we we made a job offer to Dr. Jack to be our ombudsman to determine when it is we need to be punished by listening to the opening. And I thought that we, you know, we had come to an accord to make that job offer. But then you came in hot and heavy saying, you know, throwing flags on the field saying, no, I Jack, said at the Jack time. is an impeached, uh, an impeached figure because he likes shuttle pod one, which half objection, of our objection. I said at the time uh, that the offer was made, I needed to see how his vote would go. So uh, during your job offer, I already had a stipulation on the table that if he showed poor enough taste to say he liked shuttle pod one, and that was not someone I could endorse with uh, with a hand uh, over my fate. I mean, we're not we're not talking about small stakes here. We're talking about someone who could potentially make us watch the introduction of Star Trek. Enterprise. Listen, as of today, there have been 20 votes and it is split evenly between good and bad. It well, really is. You've been I'm glad you've been embezzling our. <laughs> Our Kickstarter, not Kickstarter, our Patreon, Patreon yeah, to pay some Indian data center sweatshop to join our group and and tamper with the results of. I think of that you poll. are just discomforted with the fact that perhaps there are some agreement to my side. And yeah, and I was kicking your ass in that poll until you started getting people from fucking Cincinnati to join the group <laughs> and vote that fucking turkey up. So don't give me this bullshit. Listen, Jack is an, an unimpeachable ethical figure mm -mm. and is said, because he presently lives abroad, willing to inflict torture. I don't think we're going to find a better source. Come on, punishing us for dealing with, uh, with for using LARP references. I, let me let me counter your offer to bringing Jack in as a hand of God in this. Uh, 
I want to go back to your comment about our, uh, oh, what'd you call it? Not Mavericks. What was it? Uh, our outlaw status. Only okay, God yes. can judge us. All right. And, and, <laughs> and the only God I know is you and me. So I say we just, we vote on this. I mean, two vote system, two, <laughs> both of us vote. And, and, and we will decide our own fate and destiny as to when and how we shall be punished. All right. Well, okay. So we've settled this once and for all then. Well, as much as we do treasure Jack as a part of the V'ger Please community, the offer has been withdrawn. And instead, we will make our own rules. And like Vader, you will pray that we don't alter it any further. We will conduct our own investigations into our own affairs. And yes. please tell you each time that we found no wrongdoing. <laughs> just, just like the government investigating <laughs> itself. <laughs> I like right. it. And... On that note, sir. Speaking of pointless investigations. <laughs> hey, that's that's the kind of transition that usually I would find. But there you go mm-hmm. with it, sir. What do we watch? Season one, episode 20, Oasis. It's been a rough few weeks, hasn't it? This, uh, this wasn't as bad. This was not nearly as bad as what we were subjected to last week. I actually didn't really get a sour taste in my mouth on this until I read the memory alpha and I saw Rick Berman actually shitting on it. And that's like consecutive, ep- not Rick Berman. That was Bram Brownoff shitting on it. And we can find the quote here in a minute, but that's consecutive episodes. He shit on. I think this one didn't seem as bad as maybe it was to me because we just got out of acquisition, which was the, fucking Ferengi dickhead circus. Uh, Generations was our Patreon, which how's that being received? I think people really have enjoyed that episode. Uh, If you're not a part of our Patreon, you know, go ahead and swing by. Uh, I think folks are very enthusiastic, by the way, Peter, about us uh, reviewing all of the TNG Trek movies. Well, I'm especially, looking forward to especially like when the, the manual steering column comes up. I think people are really that's <laughs> like a moment they really want to hear from us. You know what I, I mean? I want to see a t-shirt featuring like three comic panels and it's just the the, the joystick coming up and then Riker grabbing it. Um Rogue Planet, which I got excited when I saw the page, and I remember that was kind of a trash episode. I even wrote that up at the top. Trash. Uh <laughs> fusion. You know, and it's interesting looking in on all these two, because unlike Voyager, instead of just seeing stuff that's just like, oh, God, fucking Coda displaced ugh, Scorpion part one. Yuck. It's like there's cool stuff that's standing out in these episodes. And that's what's really touching me on this Enterprise stuff is even though Fusion, the the failure there was at T'Pol has no agency and looks so bad, but there's all this other cool shit happening in it. Yeah, it had a lot of good background for Vulcans as a race. Some interesting uh, commentary about they are a race that's missing something. And that's something that narratively they wind up being able to sort of develop and follow up on. And that is cool. And it saves, like you, you're you saying here, a lot of the stuff that otherwise be maybe boring or not that great. And this is This episode is an example to me of just kind of being boring and kind of a retread. That like the core criticism that i saw of oasis that resonated with me was this could have been an episode for any other version of trek and you just swap the characters in 
and would have worked just as well. There's nothing enterprisey about this really at all, aside from the teaser. <laughs> and that is it. Like there's a novel way in which they find out about the situation that is specific to something that would happen on enterprise after that. This could have been a TNG episode. I, while watching it really started getting original series vibes off of it. And I thought that was cool. If you swap, so anyways, dinner with Tom Bergeron. <laughs> yes, let's talk about Tom Bergeron, shall we? <laughs> the first of two guest stars. Uh, it's the year, what, this is... Uh, 2002. 2002, so he's busy doing America's Funniest Home Videos, I believe. America's Funniest Home Videos and Hollywood Squares. So, Tom Bergeron, if you are Was listening to this... before Dave Coulier or after Dave Coulier? After. He was Hard after. act to follow. <laughs> so Tom Bergeron, aside from Jason Alexander, is probably the most normie famous person to ever be on Star Trek, right? He is internationally known as the host of America's Funniest Home Videos, Hollywood Squares, and then probably the pinnacle of his career was like a billion seasons of Dancing with the Stars. If I never you don't saw know a who, single one of them. If, if, if you don't know who Tom Bergeron is, your parents definitely know who Tom Bergeron is. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is like a lot of people, he's secretly a big Star Trek fan. And this wasn't in the memory alpha, but I remember him actually talking about this. Why would it be? Right. Like, it's really good content. How, like, why is randomly Tom Bergeron this alien on Star Trek, right? A cool looking alien at that. Yeah. A plus makeup. Fantastic looking. That's part of the story. So he was doing Hollywood Squares and... Uh, Whoopi Goldberg was an executive producer on it and was generally the center square, I think, for the first like five seasons or something like that. And she was filming scenes for Nemesis. And he wanted a tour of the Enterprise set because at this point, Enterprise had premiered and they're still filming season one. So he's watching the show actively and he wants to see the set. And uh, Rick Berman gives him a tour with Whoopi Goldberg and he like they're in engineering and they're talking about like, yeah, that's where Silic like fucked with the engine in this episode, you know, to try and blow it up. And then Daniels like appeared and all this other stuff, like just like really giving him granular plot details. And they're like, holy shit, you you watch our show? And he's like, yes, of course I do. So I was so interested in coming. And then Rick Berman's like, hey, would you be on it? And he said, yes, <laughs> that's yes, I will. I have two things that I want to have happen in this. What's that? One, I want to be a really cool looking alien. Put me in a fucking chair for six hours. Make me look like an alien. I'm down for that. That's what I want. Done. Two is I want to die. Eh, we might not be able to work that out. Okay, just make me a really cool alien. How are you going to tell Tom Burr, you, you get someone with with street cred saying, hey, fucking blow me up or do some rad shit. Well, I don't know. You know, this is Enterprise, home of the fucking low-energy gunfight. I mean, best I think we can do is give you an uncurable disease, and you can get a Memory Alpha entry that says you died 50 years later. This, by the Where'd way, you Tom, hear the story from? Uh, Tom Bergeron. He's got a whole interview where he well, talked about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, so personally. We hang out. <laughs> we do uh, Zoom calls every, uh, the first Monday of Me every month. We're tight. We've been tight for years. No, <laughs> get him on the show, dude. Yeah, what was, I, what was I thinking? Have him talk about it. You know, we could have done like a whole interview. He'd like to discuss Voyager season eight with us. He he did an interview where he just talked all about it. He gave the whole story because obviously he he really, this is his only acting gig he's ever done. 
He's never been an actor. He's always been a presenter. So this is the, he's only ever been an actor on Star Trek. And he so, still outacted Mayweather. He did. <laughs> he did. Like Whoopi Goldberg lied for him because like he's like, have you ever acted before? He's like, and he's like, he's like, yeah. It's like Whoopi's like, oh yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. Hopefully, I didn't just like. I'm not about to embarrass. Tom Whoopi wasn't fooling around. Hey, do you want to be the new helm officer? <laughs> do you want? Do you want to like sacrifice these extremely well-paying gigs on national television, <laughs> where all of America knows your names, so that you can be the fifth lead on a UPN show? <laughs> like, what a different maybe- way to frame Star Trek as a career choice. Wow, talk about putting it in a different light. Wow, this Tom Bergeron story is so delightful and fun. It's a shame we have to go back to Oasis. <laughs> but it is cool. That, like, he, he doesn't look like him, but you see, as soon as you hear your voice, like, is that Tom Bergeron? <laughs> and that it, it randomly is because he loves Star Trek and he wanted to be on the show. And they gave him a great role in that he is this, like, traitor who's, like, deals in spices and exotic goods. He's got a lot of charisma. Like, yeah, they're like, hey, man, we need like some Phillips screws and some rope and any other um, wagon axles and other uh, <laughs> Oregon trail stuff. He's like, nah, I don't fuck with that kind of stuff. I trade pepper, use condoms and rare and exotic birds. Listen, I only have space paprika. So, like, <laughs> uh, Sorry. But hey, if you give A me lot some got Klingon five spice. Sorry, guys. If you give me some coffee though i'll tell you more about this ghost ship i found <laughs> it's haunted that's the whole teaser you know he looks great though like look up the the, the makeup job they did on bergeron it's just he is he's like this scaly dinosaur looking thing it's yeah. like cross with the cardassian like looks what, awesome what do you what do you guys call this again coffee i mean technically it's a drug but we can give you a lot of it we can <laughs> Start a whole galactic. Uh, that's how the Federation rose to power, by the way, was getting everybody addicted to coffee. Can't replicate this shit. You got to come to the source. Earth's, Earth is the Alpha Quadrant's drug dealer in caffeine. Mm, first taste is free. First you contact, know. first taste. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, seed the plant to like build a, a dependence. There, there's, your, uh, there's your title for this episode. First contact, first taste. I'm watching this opening. There is so much of Enterprise that takes place at the dinner table, and I can't think of any other Star Trek show that has as much dialogue occur and and visibly watching people sit there and eat food as what I've seen in Enterprise. Enterprise is composed of like equal parts dinner, wannabe sexy scenes and concussions. Archer specific concussions. Yeah, yeah, only Archer on that, but. Yeah, the the use of the captain's mess specifically to set the table for a lot of exposition is something that essentially is ongoing through the through the first two seasons very consistently, really used throughout the entire run of the show. I, I think, think I like it. I think I like it as an idea of like these are these are people who are having you know, you sit down, you have this meal, it allows this opportunity to have these intimate conversations in a natural fashion. It's like a natural way to like do dip- diplomacy. I think it's a framing device that clearly identifies trip to Paul and Tucker as the main characters. And it gives a easy reason for the writers to have none of the other supporting cast involved in the scene. Yeah. If you want those three to be the focus and to have ex- 
you know, exposition dialogue with each other, then this is a great way to save fit that costs in. on cast or just, you know, you would typically have these scenes in Picard's ready room, I guess. Right. Like that's where the, that's where the, the, like the TNG version of this would be. So, you know, and you would yeah. have Riker in there well, with like you know, whoever else is supposed to be in that, in that scene for that episode. But, but those guys, you know, Data and Picard were arguably the the leads of Next Generation, but I think there's a lot more screen time that went to everybody else. I thought that Next Gen actually did a pretty nice job as far as an ensemble situation goes. Picard's ready room is Picard talking to people across a table as their boss. These uh, these dinner scenes, it's more of a round table, it seems like. where yeah, More informal. Less supervisor to supervised more collaborative sure more, yeah more playful yeah uh, so anyways he's like hey listen i've got the scoop on a hot shit abandoned uh freighter that is going to have all the stuff you need just give me some of these delicious space drugs i mean coffee and off i will go never to be heard from again by the way check out america's home videos uh yeah. monday nights at 8 p.m on whatever your local distributor is piece he bipped out uh i also noticed during the dinner that like the jumpsuits do they ever get like formal dress like the jumpsuits are cool because they you know they look more accessible to modern day like what we would see in the military and like maybe make mm-hmm. sense in a day-to-day operation of the ship but like when you're hosting dignitaries traders whatever like sitting around in literally pajamas looks rough they need to get some some dress uniforms up in here, I think. So there is a model for the like enterprise era Starfleet uniform. That is a dress uniform, but I think it only shows up like once. In fact, it may only have ever shown up in the literal finale. Hmm. I know that it exists. I've, I've seen a picture of it. I've seen a picture of Archer in it. And I think it, it might be from, Either it's from a, like a time episode where Daniel's involved or it's the literal finale. So it just doesn't exist really in the series. And it looks a lot like the normal like jumpsuit. Like it's barely different. <laughs> they did a good job of creating a very realistic militaristic uniform that fits the setting. But there isn't really much variation that they offer aside from like hazard suit type of, of enhancements. Well, if there's a time to bust out the hazard suits, I thought maybe it would be appropriate for investigating a abandoned old ship that could be full of all sorts of poisonous gases and whatnot. They fly out to the planet where the trader has told them it is. Sure enough, the ship's down there. Uh, by the way, it's a, I believe, a Ventner class Star Destroyer. Star Destroyer, yeah. <laughs> it's, the model is very familiar looking. We'll put it that yeah. way. This uh, trade ship went down early in the Clone Wars. (laughs) So uh, Archer puts together his away team and remembers that there's a guy named Mayweather that we haven't seen in like four episodes and says, hey, buddy, you get to be on the TV show again. He's like, oh, thanks, Cap. (laughs) You get to drive (laughs) like specifically you're driving again. Great opportunity for. The more I think about him as like the worldly boomer, especially had they gone with someone 
noticeably older than Archer, uh, almost like as a as a Alfred Pennyworth character to like yeah. a Bruce Wayne guy, because you know Archer doesn't really have a confidant. Like sometimes he talks a trip, sometimes he, for whatever reason, talks to fucking to Paul, which is like why why confide in her? But if there was like that old boomer who's seen some shit. What what a great person to, to soundboard your ideas or your doubts off of and, and for him to continually provide like realist. Nope, you got to you got to kill the bad guys. Nope, you got to cut the dead loose. Nope, you got to whatever. And then Archer have that like Starfleet bold optimism and kind of like work these processes. Yeah, out. yeah, really like add to the, in a way it's almost too bad that we were introduced to this idea because it, it really every time I see Mayweather I see it too. makes it worse it makes it so much worse because what we have is not only bad in itself but now so much less than that idea but him as a grizzled boomer who's like master chief petty officer that took this job with Who you know that, that like he probably like here's his backstory right here's here's you know grizzled Mayweather's backstory he was a, he he ran a cargo route, you know, for this ship for years, and he got recruited by Starfleet when they returned to Earth on, on their one of their routes and uh, to teach uh, piloting because he was the pilot for this vessel and he like understood all of the trade routes and all like different kinds of uh, uh, navigational Gravity tricks, yeah, navigational issues that occur when going into deep space or an unknown space. And he'd start teaching Starfleet pilots like these realistic sort of piloting scenarios. And he got more and more involved in, in being a teacher in that regard. And Archer spotted him and said, I need you for this deep space mission because I don't want someone you've taught. I want you. I want you driving the ship because I need someone with experience just going out there and having to fly by the seat of the pants because that's what we're going to fucking do. And they start to have that that camaraderie where he's still his boss, but you know, he's been in space a lot longer than him. And it's been as a blue collar kind of perspective. Yeah. He's, never, he's got a lot of practicality and the balances is like Archer has got the bigger per- picture. He's got the bigger perspective. He has the idealism and he serves as a, as a ballast against uh, of reality against that. Sometimes here's what I need in this. I need some trauma. I need Mayweather idealized Mayweather. I need there to have been an accident that his family died and that he tried to get out of the game or said, this life isn't for me anymore. Or I need some shit where trucker justice went wrong. He took a stand and said, no, we can't do it. Uh, It's unethical, whatever. And basically he got himself kicked out of space trucker society and they did like the Klingon excommunication. And he still has the itch to fly, but his old life is dead. So he has sold out, joined Starfleet, and is teaching Archer the ropes. And occasionally they encounter other boomers and they're all like, this motherfucker's persona non grata. Maybe they even try and kill him every now and then because whatever he did, like, really betrayed their tusks that bad. So either he lost his family and, you know, has to get back in the saddle uh, or that excommunication thing. And God, like, goddamn Mayweather could have been a fire character. Yeah, absolutely. Any version of that that you want to do, anything within that space is really what the show is missing. Because this is a boat full of fucking amateurs that are being chaperoned by a Vulcan who is very over their shit. 
And it, the balance that could have been created instead of having the another plucky fucking amateur in a young, you know, plucky, that's, May- that's the word to, to, to slap on real on actual Mayweather's plucky yeah. Mayweather. And what he needed to be was a grizzled veteran that Archer knew he needed to be part of the mix on this. He needed the doctor that's different and seen things that has experience. He's got the science officer who's got perspective. He's got the engineer who's an expert specifically on this engine. He's got a pilot that's a grizzled veteran that, you know, can chart uncharted space successfully. And he's got an armory officer who's a stuffy British man who loves to shoot shit. Like, got it. Let's do this. Oh, and I, my, my old ex-girlfriend who's really good at, at <laughs> translating, right? Since we've just I canonized the fact that they used to bang. Perfect. Instead, we get Mayweather. And it's just like the whole energy's off because of it. But yeah, he's in this for like 20 seconds. So that's I don't know what he him. says exactly, but I do have in my notes, shut the fuck up, Mayweather. So he's doing something <laughs> in there. He was like, oh boy, Cap, we should... Uh, you know, we oh, should... I don't know, Captain. If it is a crypt down there and there really are dead people, should we be fooling around? Shouldn't we respect? Shut up, Chakotay. What are you next? You gonna say leave the fucking tricorders here? The this only is person why don't we... get. This is why I don't get to be in episodes of saying dumb shit like this. <laughs> it's the only person who's in this episode less is Hoshi, who last week was merely unconscious the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> so like. Yeah. At least Mayweather got like more than the one line that Hoshi got. Anyway, they get down there. They start exploring the spoopy ship. And they're like, we're going to take these data cores and figure out what happened on the spoopy ship. I like uh, it is to Paul who starts seeing things and hearing things. Although if you know what the ending is, I don't know how the fuck she would be hearing anything. And I'm thinking about this point like. God, what was that episode? The guy who directed Generations, whatever his name was, he had a couple writing credits to his name from Next Gen, one of which I think was called The Next Phase, right? And that's the one where uh, Ro Laren and Jordi LaForge are partially, yeah, like phased out of being able to interact with everyone. Everybody thinks they're dead. They're Mm -hmm. still alive. And then there's like the Tal Shiar agents. And it's something to do with like the Romulan black hole and then the Romulans are going to blow up the fucking enterprise and they got to like stop the power transfer whatever I thought it'd be cool if like this crew was stuck in some sort of goofy warp bubble half-life like that and it was like more of an actual haunting until finally they flip the switch and reinvert whatever and and bring those guys back Uh, instead it's going to be a little bit more two-dimensional I like as they start to get more aggressive with tri- chasing down the sounds trips, like uh captain, we're not alone down here. And then Archer's like, all right, cool. I'm coming to you. And they're like, all right, we're going to go run through some secret passages and do everything within our power to get as far away as possible from where Archer should be looking for us. This is some real Scooby-Doo shit here. All it's missing is that part where like they're running in a hallway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're going through different doors and shit. Yes. I did like that they included a bit where Trip's like, oh, you just got the willies and like explains fear, basically, <laughs> or trepidation to, to Paul, who like steadfastly insists that she does not have these feelings. And it's like just another exhibit in the hall of exhibits of clearly these two have way more chemistry together than trying to force the situation with Paul and Archer. Like they just... 
they just vibe, right? Like their scenes just have more energy in them and they have this sort of con conflicting, you know, it's chemistry. It's good. I'm thinking about situations where I have seen Vulcans involved in scenes that should be scary. And I guess it kind of checks out that Vulcans don't get scared. And I think that is something that I would like to see some sort of like horror movie moments where everybody else is fucking freaked out and just the, the Vulcans acting exactly how they do in any other, you know, insufferable Vork being. <laughs> yeah. Being the hero because he's the one that's not freaking out. Not even here. The everybody, brain- else freaking, everybody else just freaking out. And then finally someone being like, dude, unbutton the fucking top button on that Hawaiian shirt. You look so stupid. Everybody's getting murdered on this Polynesian resort you know, and, and people are cutting their faces off and wearing them. And, and Vork's just like, well, yes, it's inconvenient. And then when they go and they, they chase the noise, they get into this garden and they find a lady and she is freaked out by the fact that Trip has a gun. So he puts his gun away and then she runs away anyway. And then he immediately gets his gun back out and then like runs into another passage after an unarmed woman that he has already frightened with his firearm in his hand for some reason. And then is greeted by a whole bunch of other guns pointed at him. He runs across the spandex gang, special <laughs> guest starring Odo. Yeah. So Renee Abrangeros is better known as constable Odo. Rest in peace. Uh, Renee, he died somewhat recently last few years. Yeah. He is great in this episode. He is a stage actor. You can tell. His, his the way that he conducts his his scenes in in DS9 is much the same way as here, where he is, you know, delivering on the dialogue as if he is speaking on a stage in a Shakespearean fashion. Uh, that is just his that is his delivery style, and I've always enjoyed everything he's in. He's in the Patriot. Remember, he was the priest mm. in the Patriot too. Like he's just good at those kinds of roles that are need that sort of ability to deliver on exposition. Well, unlike poor Ethan Phillips, uh, who did not have the uh, bargaining power that Renee does and and got cast as a clown, uh, (laughs) he gets a pretty decent character uh, bit here. And also, again, the ability to say, I don't want to be in skin tight spandex. Please put me in something that does not make me look like a fool. Smart. Yeah, an older man knows his limits. <laughs> so there's a b- bunch of dudes, the spandex gang, and they explain along with uh, Renee Abengeros that here is our situation. We got shot at and we've been hiding here for three years. A little bit suspicious that they've been hiding there for three years after getting attacked, but whatever. Their ship is damaged. They're having trouble getting it you know, launched again. And There's a dampening field in play, which lends credence to their ability to say that we were hiding from bad guys. Because why whole they can't thing. scan for life forms too. That was yes. Mm-hmm. And Archer, for some strange reason, has this tendency to kind of act like a dick when he's forcing his help on someone. And just like, what do you got to lose? We just help you. Come on, we're great. We're awesome. We have cool tech. He did it to the space truckers. Who else has he done it to? Just sort of forcing his help on them. He did it to the yeah. Novans. Which one of the Novans? The dirty, the dirt cave people. 
Oh, the Terra Novan. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't blame him on that one. But um, let's see who else. I guess there's really a, that many space encounters, but yeah, he, he does tend to. I'm going to help you whether you like it or not, unless you would really like it. And then I'm not going to help you as featured in Dear Doctor. Yeah, specifically if you are a, a planet filled with people suffering from a terrible disease for which we have figured out a cure, we will definitely not help you. Children, sorry, can't help you. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm sorry, you didn't give me a head wound. I, I didn't get a concussion <laughs> this episode, so I'm out. That's I'm out. You're all going to die. <laughs> that's also the law of equivalent exchange. Uh, you know, if you would like the benevolence of Earth, you must visit a gun stock across my lip first. Them's the rules. Sorry, I don't make them. Eventually, they accept the help. Tucker is working on the like warp core, and he's familiar with it because of his time on the Zerillion ship, which was the plant ship where he got impregnated, which is an episode that gets referenced further uh, when he's having a conversation with Paul about how he's making eyes at the pretty lady, the the comely lass that is part of the Spandex gang that seems a little shy. Again, the show's continuity and calling back to the fact that Trip seems to get horny for every available lady he comes across is a nice touch. Well, the nice touch there is to Paul saying, um, last time you tried to do what you're doing now, you got knocked up. So why don't you protect your neck and chill out a little bit? There are red flags all over the place in this story right off the, the jump. And anybody who is a Star Trek fan for like more than, I don't know, four episodes in any given direction sees the writing all over the wall. When the crew's like, oh, Captain, we don't really need your help. We can. And then he's like, no, we're going to help you. You know, I got plenty of room on Enterprise. We could just beam you off of here and take you back. Uh, no, we're a whole year away. We're just going to stay on this fucking crash landed ship and be miserable. Like, obviously, this is some fucking shit going on here. And unfortunately, the reason for the deception is going to turn out to just be paper thin and kind of invalidate the entire episode in the process. When they come to the big payoff scene in the last act, it is unfortunately under underwritten is what I would call it. Like they seem to have an idea of what they wanted to do and they didn't quite flesh it out in the dialogue. And they just kind of left Renee hanging with how he had to, to pay off, like the justifying yeah. this, this, this choice. And yeah. he tried and there just wasn't much there. And then, but there wasn't also much challenge of it in the dialogue from the enterprise crew. And so it just was kind of awkward. I, I did like that. All of the holographic crew, that's what we're going to find out is most, well, most people so, are not. So real. that's, the big reveal to me was like they're they're shown it was like oh i you know first we got to fix the engines we need you to fix this computer core first it's a big deal uh you could say it keeps us all alive and it's like all right, well obviously everybody's fucking ai right obviously i i liked that it was very noticeable that all of the ai people act very robotic their tone the of voice never changes over upper lip at all yeah, no, no, none of them change their tone of voice at any time, and they all move in a very robotic fashion. And when they hold their guns, they're sp- per- specifically perpendicular like this the entire time, and they walk kind of like robots. Mm-hmm. It, there was little notes in there that I thought was clever that they're kind of simplistic designs, 
And that actually got touched on nicely by Renee in the dialogue where he's talking about, well, you know, I did my best. (laughs) Like they can talk to you like they can surprise you. They can make you laugh. And they're not real. (laughs) Like I can't make them too real. Trip invites Kess or whatever the fuck her name yeah. is. Yeah, let's call her Kess. Enterprise Kess. Spandex Kess. Spandex Kess. Uh, hey, you want to go up and check the ship out? She's like... By the way, Steve, you saw 10 seconds of this episode, saw her, and is like, what's Kess doing on this show? So <laughs> I think that was not an, an unintentional parallel, you know? Oh, yes, I would love to go to your ship. And then, you know, Odo's like, oh, I don't think you need to go. Oh, come on, please. I won't tell the secrets. She goes up. Uh, Reed decided he wanted to be in this episode too a little bit. So he's doing scans and he's um, the bearer of bad news, which has this been the case before? Like how often has he ruined the party? I feel like this isn't the first time. I'm trying to think of another circumstance quite like this where you found suspicious information, but I'm not, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Hmm. It seems like it's a good fit for him. I think this is yeah. something I'd like to see more. Hey, uh, it looks like I got bad news. It looks like this uh, ship's been crashed for like 30 some years and these guys might be lying to us. So we should start investigating. They call a trip to come over and talk with them. Oh, goes, hey, hey, Billy, no lines. Mr. <laughs> uh, junior varsity smoldering catcher guy from the background. Come hang out with Spandex Kess. I got to go yeah. talk to the captain. Take 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 my fresh new hotness around the ship until I'm ready. You know, for or later. Do me a salad. And he goes, he nods his head because he doesn't get any lines. <laughs> he doesn't get it. He doesn't get to talk. He doesn't, I, get, he doesn't I, get scared cut, today. Cut, cut. You know, you're not allowed to talk. Lay that out to Trip. You know, and Trip doubts it, but the evidence is there. And then he goes to her in the mess hall and is like, how long have you been there? Like, you know, immediately she likes cracks under pressure that like all their suspicions are true. And the turn is made when they go back down because T'Pol has figured out all of this as well from working on the computer and tries to escape. And then the AI like prevents her from escaping. You were so looking that, now we finally have a conflict to. in the episode, like in act three, you know, like finally. I like part of Reed's findings, too, is that there are escape pods in orbit and they go and take one of the escape pods and bring it on. And they decide that Phlox gets to be in the episode for a couple scenes or one scene specific. One scene. Yeah, this one. They open the escape pod up and there's a shriveled old mummy in there of a guy, Shrek or whatever his name was, who has been heavily featured in the scenes that we have seen. So. Clearly, there's something going on. I thought for a minute, maybe it might be cool if crew and this is before they give you a hard confirmation. These guys are hologram, but like the crew were clones or somehow the crew is able to exist as ghosts over this planet. You know, something something like electrical storm or something like that. Yeah, which is something about the planet is keeping them there. Like their, their spirits are able to like manifest or. Yeah, they there were a lot of ways to Star Trek your way into a plot that justifies being there, right? Yeah, now and that that's all... the important link here, right? Is just holograms, which is what these guys are. It boils down to the decision of the father, and he does not ever have really good footing for why he would even think twice about staying on this fucking rock. 
especially yes. when he's got a daughter to worry about. But if you go, listen, if we leave, we're abandoning the crew. And there could have been like a big moment at the end where people go, you know, what? we've had enough of this. It's time for you to move on. We're going to dissipate, blah, 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 whatever. Forgiveness, or, you know, something. Sure. He's feeling something. guilty over abandoning his post because that's ultimately like his guilt. Like they seem to be building to that. Like they, when they confront Odo, <laughs> Renee. Odo. His character's name, Odo. When they confront Odo and say, we know what that you guys have been here forever, so spill. He says, yeah, so there was a big technical issue, plasma spewing everywhere. It was a real fucking problem. We were going to have to crash land here. He's like, so what's what's the issue? Why are you beating yourself up? He's like, well, I knew that if my daughter was in our quarters, which was in the bottom of the ship, she'd never survive a crash landing. So I left my post to go get her because I left my post. It got worse and there was a catastrophic uh, decompression and it killed most of the crew immediately. And I survived because I was getting my daughter and everyone else died. And so that's good. That setup's good. And then what, sh- what was necessary is this whole as to why stay there. It could have been social guilt. It could have just been like, I know if I leave here and I go home, I'm going to face the families of all these people who died because of me. Bingo. That, that, Look that, at that. would have been enough. That would have been Look enough. Right? You didn't have to make, I mean, it would have been even cooler if there was a supernatural element or some super science element that was keeping them there or like drew on like that whole souls or electrical storm or something. I'm doing something that's preserving their conscious, their, their, yeah. their embodied consciousness. If we leave, they're all going to die again. That's why I have to stay. So that stay. that's even better. But even if they keep it just as is and he delivers at the end, like I don't want to go home and face their families. I I've been high, you know, like I've been hiding my whole, you know, the entire time and I, I can't do it. And maybe it's like that he is willing to let, you know, Cass go and live her life. And then he will remain there. And then like, she convinces him that no, you have to come, you know, we do this together. Father, All like sorts of star Trek stuff could have happened. There's so many possibilities here. And instead it's just kind of this weak sort of underwritten. Uh, we just hung out here. And now this has been where I've been living for 22 years. And I don't want Here's leave. the I'm crux old. of his, Here's the crux of his argument. I'm comfortable. Yeah. I like it here. I'm comfortable. I have to be painfully aware of the fact that my daughter is going to die alone here when I go. I did like the throat. Not a throwaway. I mean, it's pretty clearly a wink wink to the camera. But uh, when they start confronting him on all this, he trips like, what happens if your daughter gets hurt? You're going to program some sort of a holographic doctor? Uh-huh. Uh, the, the the silly part of all this is that there's even the lie in the first part. The visitors show up for the first time in 30 some years. They're offering to help fix some shit up, which has obviously been slipping off. Why even bother with the holograms? OK, well, we figured out these guys are cool. All right. Turn off all the holograms. Yeah, there's hologram security here. Hey, thanks for helping us. Not. Yeah. Why lie? Real. Uh, watered down Scooby Doo mystery uh, uh, of the disappearing people. Yeah, why'd you put us through this? Reed got shot. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, Thank why'd God you do this to us? We're like, just trying to help you. We yeah, can't like, give you ice cream machines. Chill out, dude. If you had just been like, no, sorry, I don't want any help from the start, we'd have been like, oh, okay. Hey, how about this? Bye. I guess dad's dad's crazy. Dad's got space madness. Yeah, there you uh, go. Uh, Dad's got to go and you got to rescue Space Kess and put her off in a space orphanage or something because 
dad says he's gonna kill everybody now because he's again it's star trek he's got space madness but you're using super likable odo you can't have him die he can't die tom bergeron can die can't die no one can can die on screen so i'm sitting there and i'm watching it and i'm like man this is like a real basic ass story but this is also like a real solid star trek story and i was trying to think what you said before i believe this could have very easy been a side mission in mass effect yeah yeah this is this isn't even like one of the the like loyalty mission side missions this is Mm -mm. just like something you do for the extra xp yeah and i liked it and and then I'm sitting there I'm like, well, is this Mass Effect or is this like this is just a solid, like I said earlier, this is a solid ass original series episode uh, in terms of simplicity and starting to like what if appropriate to the 60s. You get rid of holograms and you make all these guys just robots, right? Mm-hmm. With gears and sparking wires and that, you know, finally one of them dies and you see fucking computer parts pop out of his stomach. And we're like, oh, my and, God, that would have been the musical cue of like, bum, bum. Mm-hmm. you know, that, oh, yeah, that's some real solid Star Trek. And I'm kind of pissed. They weren't just fucking robots because now you've got badass fucking holograms that are able to operate at a level higher than an intrepid class starship. Cause there's just holographic projectors over every inch of this vessel. Right. And not only do, does nobody fucking bad on eye at it. No one that is like, Hey, these things are badass and have like tons of uses as you've just shown us. Can we please have this amazing technology? I guess it kind of ties back to, who are the hand nipple people? What were they called? The Zerillians. The Zerillians. Mm-hmm. So their engines, uh, or at least the computer core, is similar to Zerillian. And it's why they also have holographic technology. I like that link. That, that yeah. There's something about how they have structured their technology that makes it so that holograph holograms is something they have. Maybe they even have, like, you know, open trade or whatever. Regardless, seems like some fucking sweet-ass shit that... Uh, Enterprise should be trying to secure, you know, in exchange for helping them to fix everything and, and unfuck it all. But nope, never gets made. So and by the end Paul, of this, Paul, Paul just it, instead, the episode is about trip backing on this girl and getting, you know, getting a little kiss at the end before they bounce. And that's just where it ends. <laughs> like, it's this it. it's this real fucked up like ending sequence, though, because Odo comes into Archer's ready room and I'm like, oh, well, you know, based on everything I just saw down on the surface, it seems to me that they have agreed to get these guys back up into space and dump them off at some space station or have them on their way. And instead, it's just Odo up there pining about the dilemma, this big dilemma that he's facing to the point where, you know, he's the silly, unneeded lie, which is basically the plot, the only plot hook there. Well, I know I should take my daughter out of here, but gosh, I'm just so comfortable on the surface. What am I going to do? And here's like a five minute scene of me kind of pacing around and trying to put some sort of spin or zazz on just this fucking turkey concept. Well, Archer's just like, I don't know, man, what are you going to do? You're right. We need to leave here. I will accept your help and we're going to go back to the surface 
And then, yeah, you give us a bunch of stuff. Uh, there's no mention of my super advanced holograms. That would be a huge use to you and like move your technology forward like 900 years or whatever. Aside from the fact that they are going to be used to help me repair the ship. Like, I... <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, and hey, good luck. Maybe we'll see you out there again. I would like to think maybe these dudes do pop up again at some point. I mean, if we put a whole episode into these two characters, having them turn back up down the road and like in true Mass Effect fashion, some good deeds turning around and paying off in the end might be cool. But uh, I have a feeling, given the fact that it's a big name for Star Trek, uh, special guest star, probably not. No, no one from this episode except Tom Bergeron comes back. Tom Bergeron comes back. Tom Bergeron comes back. Well, then it's worth it. I like it. He well, got the, in there. Tom Bergeron comes back, not his character. I'll take I'll take what Bergeron I can get. <laughs> but yeah, this is otherwise just a a, a little. I I don't am not as fond of it as you. I feel like it could have been a good like version of the TOS classic Trek story if it had actually like filled out the pieces that were weak. And it didn't, right? Like, it just sort of failed in the couple spots it couldn't fail, which was paying off why it is that there was a lie to begin with, you know, and paying off after that some kind of genuine hesitance to leave. And because neither of those needs were met, I cannot call this good. It was I'm not bad. saying it was bad. I it was great or even that it was good. I'm just saying coming off of acquisition. I mean, you don't regret it. Take what I can get. And this was, it wasn't good, but it was fine. It was, it was fine. As Rich Evans says, it was super. Okay. (laughs) I also real, just quick side continuity uh, spot here. They're loading onto the shuttlecraft. It looks like now they're, entering the shuttlecraft from the side doors instead of going in through the nose like they were earlier. And I'm guessing that's because filming it that way is a pain in the ass or it's probably dangerous, but that was, a- I assume so. I assume that it was just a f- filming issue or like the way they have to crane the cameras in and it limits the amount of shots you can do Yes, as well. Like, cause you can only do so much with that setup. It, I liked that setup more as sort of more primitive, but it definitely looks like they've had to to change how they've approached it, which makes sense because, you know, there's got, you know, most of the way through producing season one and they figured out some things don't work so well. Also, going back into the hand nipple episode where Trip gets knocked up mm-hmm. um, while he's giving Spandex Kess a tour of the ship, he's got her in engineering and they both get on the elevator like face to face. Yeah, the unsafe elevator. I can't watch that fucking thing without like feeling my asshole just get so tight and like my balls pull up in my stomach. I'm like, you move a fucking hair outside of that, that little cage and you are losing body parts. Like, I'm surprised they even allow that elevator to exist um, in terms of a a TV filming. It's already an OSHA violation for the actors. (laughs) Like, yeah, yikes. That thing is it is a death machine. I would love, I bet you there's at least one out of four years. I bet you there's at least one good accent with that thing. Yeah, there's at least one crushed finger. I completely (laughs) agree. But what what are we watching next week, sir? So as we move out of uh, Oasis again, which to close out 
Bran Braga referred to this installment as a terrible episode. Where could we be going? We're going into season one, episode 21, Detained, and there is a salt flat with a space Guantanamo Bay there, it looks like. Uh, While exploring a planet, Archer and Mayweather enter a military zone and are detained in an internment camp by an alien race called the Tandarians, who are at war with the Suliban. Cool. While Enterprise's crew previous encounters with the Suliban have been disastrous, Archer and Mayweather find themselves sharing a cell with some Suliban detainees that they believe may have been wrongly imprisoned. Yeah, I got some interesting... I wonder, as we try to move into another uh, Your Legal System is Flawed episode, and I believe that's the first one since the Space Texans one's back in Voyager, if they're going to be able to stick to a narrative here or completely shoot themselves in the foot as to whatever sympathetic story they're trying to weave by the end of the episode. I mean, this all plays into the ongoing temporal Cold War, Sulaban plotline stuff. And I recall this one being itself pretty good uh, and also like a good moving forward of that plotline. Also, Dean Stockwell is in it. Hey, you know, so we get a we get a fantastic reunion of Quantum Leap on our hands here. Wow. I didn't even think about that. I has uh, <clears throat> BSG happened yet. Absolutely not. Uh, BSG. Well, certainly not for Dean Stockwell. I think BSG's miniseries was in production by by now, but I don't think it comes out until 2003. This is too early 2002. I'll be excited to see how, what kind of role they give uh, Stockwell. Oh, you, you'll find it quite interesting, I assure you. Thank you for listening to Vija. Please remember to give us five stars on Spotify or you will be sent to internet hell. And Xbox we'll see you next Live. week. Yeah. All of the 12-year-olds <laughs> saying the N-word over and over. Yeesh. <laughs>